Hello again, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Master Pods. In this short podcast series, we give master students a chance to talk about their research. My name is Olivier, and this is the first time that I'm back as your podcast host after the summer. Today, we will have a conversation with Emmy Potter, who has done something no one else has done before. In her thesis, Emmy has worked with gamification, and more specifically, she has designed an escape game that aims to increase players' environmental attitudes. I don't know about you, but I love games, and I can't wait to find out more about the whole process of designing one like this. So let's jump in. Hey, Emmy, how are you doing? Hey, I'm great. Thanks for asking. Great to be on the podcast. Yeah, good to have you. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about your uh, your objective here and what you've done and what you're trying to achieve with the with the escape game? Yes, absolutely. Um, so basically, I identified the need that we, in order to tackle these sustainability issues, we need behavioral change and we need it fast. Um, but the thing is that there's a lot of barriers to this kind of change. And now what I found was that escape rooms have many ways in which they can overcome these barriers and effectively change people's attitudes so that they will start behaving more sustainably. And we found that there were five attributes for escape games um, that help to overcome these barriers. So escape games, of course, are fun. And they also allow us to experience the consequences of sustainability and really make it tangible. Um, escape games also give people a sense of urgency because you have a time limit in the game. They break down the problem into smaller tasks and give people like instant rewards so that they really get motivated. And escape games are also really social. So you have this kind of social support system. And based on these, I designed actually an escape game called Unlock the Future, in which players have 90 minutes to stop climate change once and for all. And from the game, we found that afterwards, people actually had a stronger belief in their own and the group's ability to tackle environmental issues. Uh, so yeah, the conclusion kind of was that it's a really promising tool for environmental communication and education, the escape game. Okay. Well, that's very promising, actually. Um, and before we talk a little bit more uh, in depth about it, we're going to do a rapid fire round. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to ask you a series of quick personal questions that I would like you to answer with three words maximum. Are you three ready? Three words maximum. Yes. Okay. Uh, so what's your name? Emmy. Uh, where do you call home? Sweden. What is your educational background? Neuroscience, artificial intelligence, sustainable development. That was more than three words. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. Uh, what's your primary focus in uh, sustainable development? Is it economic, environmental, social? Future studies. Okay. So like scenarios and stuff like that? Yeah, working with backcasting and the ways people think about the future mm. in order to kind of work with system change more. Okay. You spent quite a lot of time writing your thesis. And so my question, my next question is, uh, what's the best way to deal with the thesis breakdown? <laughs> Um, taking a solo trip to the mountains. Mm. And are there mountains in Sweden? Yeah, um, when Corona hit and uh, I had to change my entire thesis setup, I took a solo trip to the Swedish mountains to go skiing for a weekend. And that really, really helped. And I'm doing the same thing now at the end of it. So, yeah. That's great. Um, do you have any advice for future master thesis writers? Yes. Um, write together, write in a group and make sure you have some people that you call every week to discuss your theses. Mm. Your holidays are holy. Take holidays. They are super important. And have people read your draft when it's 80% finished. Don't wait until your draft is 100% finished. <laughs> um, but send it when it's not complete, when you feel terrible about it. That's when you get the best, best feedback. Okay. 
a good tip, actually. Um, what's your favorite sustainability tool? So in the sense of, yeah, like a medium. So I love the, the podcast Sustainababble. Um, Sustainababble. Um, it's two guys in the UK that talk about everything that's happening around sustainability, but from a comedy point of view. So, you know, they talk about every, the way everything is maybe doomed, but they they say that you can still have a chuckle about it and laugh about it <laughs> rather than cry about it. Um, and they're really fun to listen to. Cool. Uh, do you have any sustainability tip you want to give our listeners? Yes. Uh, I think whatever you're going to do for sustainability, whether it's taking trains or eating veggie or going to a thrift store, I think the most important thing is to make it social and to do it with other people, to take a train trip trip to, to Europe together or to cook meals together. Okay. Um, I'm also doing a 30 day challenge now, which I can really recommend in general when you um, when you want to try something new to do it for 30 days. Uh, and my, my current challenge is that I have a box next to the door that I call the pass it on box. And every day I take one item from my room and I put it in the box, something I don't really use anymore or don't need anymore. And basically anyone who passes the box can can take it and use it. And whatever's left at the end of 30 days, I will bring to a second hand shop. Mm. So it's a really good way to go through my room and kind of declutter at the same time, make more space in my mind. And also, you know, for sustainability reasons, it's good to, to own less things and for things to be reused by other people. Oh, that's like gradual decluttering. Very smart. It's great. Yeah. Well then, so it started off rapid. It ended up not so rapid, but that's okay. <laughs> um, now let's jump into your uh, research. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is the main problem that you are solving with your research and how are you solving it? So the main problem that I'm dealing with is that there, um, the current climate communication and education strategies are not very effective um, because people are not changing their behaviors and attitudes on a scale that's large enough to actually deal with, with climate change, with the inequality crisis, with the biodiversity crisis. We need much faster change and people aren't changing. Um, and basically what I found was I was talking to a friend last year about how we can kind of overcome the barriers that people have towards actually changing their attitudes and behavior. Mm. And we were talking about how we need to make sustainability more tangible to people. Um, we need to make it more social and we need to give people the sense that it's their responsibility because there's so many barriers people have. Like, you know, everything just seems so dooming. Um, everything's very depressing and negative. So people kind of close off for it. People deny it's their responsibility. It clashes with people's identity. Mm. And there's all these ways to overcome that. And I was talking to a friend and we were saying, well, hang on. Basically, escape rooms, their attributes are all the different ways in which people can overcome these barriers. Because escape rooms can make um, a problem that seems far away in time or place. They can make it really tangible. It can make you experience a certain story that you wouldn't otherwise be able to experience. It's fun. It's like social and supportive. It's really motivating. You really want to kind of keep going. Um, so yeah, that's when we decided to um, to research escape games with regards to sustainability. And it turned out that nobody had researched this. There was literally no paper on it whatsoever. So there was nobody who would combine escape rooms or escape games with sustainability. Um, so then I decided to do my thesis on it. Um, but maybe for, for those who don't know what an escape game or an escape room is, um, I can give you a definition of it. So escape games or escape rooms, um, they're basically the same thing. 
And they are a live-action team-based game where players discover clues, solve puzzles, and accomplish tasks in one or more rooms in order to accomplish a specific goal in a limited amount of time. So usually what you do is that you, you gather a group of friends, you go to this place, and you have one hour to escape from zombies or stop a nuclear attack mm. or break out of a prison. Um, but yeah, in this thesis, we, <laughs> in this thesis, I focus on sustainability instead. So escaping from, from climate change. Oh, that sounds more, more helpful to society than breaking out of prison. So that's, <laughs> that's a plus. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, even, even when you break out of a prison, you can learn actually really interesting skills. Oh, in escaping. I'm sure. <laughs> There's a lot of research that looks into like team building things, um, and personal development with regards to escape games. Uh, so they're okay. useful in general, but of course... If we can make them even more useful, that would be pretty awesome. And did you um, did you get the opportunity to test your game, or did anyone play it? Yeah, so um, um, basically, there wasn't really any game that I was able to research for this, partially because of the the COVID nineteen pandemic. Mm. Uh, so I decided to design my own game or co design, I should say. There were a lot of people that helped me with the design. Um, and before I started designing, I kind of dived into the literature. And wanted to look at what are the important things that need to be in an escape game. Um, and I kind of found five different features of escape games that each can promote more sustainable mindsets. So five, five attributes, five advantages that make these escape games so promising for sustainable communication and education. Okay. Um, and I call these the five pillars. Um, so the first, um, the five pillars are that the games are fun, they are experiential, they're urgent, they're problem rewarding, and they're social. Um, so the first pillar, fun, I think is kind of obvious. People have a lot of fun when they play escape games. And this is something that's really important, actually, when people want to change their behavior or their attitudes. Um, when they have fun, it's been proven that they change their attitudes more efficiently or more effectively. Okay. Um, and the second pillar is experiential. And this refers to the fact that escape rooms are story-based. Um, and you can experience situations that you would not otherwise be able to experience. And this allows you to really be immersed into a different environment. So, for example, in an escape room, you can travel to the future and experience the effects of our actions now on the planet. Um and the third pillar is urgent. So inside the escape room, you have a time pressure. You have a limited amount of time to escape out of the game. And this gives players a sense of urgency that kind of is similar to what you should maybe have outside of the game as well with regards to climate change, with these problems that also have a certain time limit to be to be solved. Yeah. Um, now the fourth pillar is called problem rewarding. And... This refers to the kind of sequence of tasks and puzzles that you have within an escape game, where you have this big problem that you need to solve, but you break it down into a lot of smaller tasks and problems. And this really motivates players to keep going and to solve the problem in the end. And this gives players the confidence and kind of belief in their own abilities to solve the problem. Uh, so the final, the fifth pillar that I found um, that I chose is called social. And this refers to the fact that in an escape room, players need to lose or win as a team. Okay. Um, so this gives them kind of a sense of yeah uh, support to 
to get through the game. And this has also been proven that when you want to change your attitude or behavior, it's really important to do it in a social context in order to really make a change. Right. Well, that's um, very pedagogical of you to have dissected the game so thoroughly. <laughs> yeah, because the thing is, I went through the literature for escape rooms, and it's basically a very new field, um, research into escape games, which is understandable because escape games themselves are only around for a couple of years. Uh, I think the first one was maybe 15 years ago, but it's only in the past few years that's really taken off. Um, but the thing is that there's it's not really a very grounded research field. There's not a lot of tools or frameworks out there to kind of allow researchers to compare their results or to um, have a good tool for doing the design. Mm. Uh, so I thought that before I start designing anything, I need to kind of think about what I'm going to do and how I'm going to do it so that other researchers can benefit from that and maybe use the same tools or build on it and improve it. So you sort of laid the groundwork for future research in the escape room field and the sustainability yes. escape room. Yeah, kind of accidentally, to be honest, because this was just me. Some late evening, I've been doing a lot of reading and I just kind of wrote down for myself on a piece of paper. So what actually are the reasons why this is promising, you know, what are the, the themes that I found? And I kind of wrote it on a piece of paper and I didn't pay much attention to it until three weeks later um, when I put it somewhere in a tiny paragraph and someone said, well, hey, that's your that's your theoretical framework. And actually, it's pretty cool. And I think you should publish this. Um, mm. <laughs> and I thought, but but that was just what I wrote down for myself at like 11 in the evening. Um, yeah. Always take notes. Yeah, always, always take notes. notes. Yeah. Um, yeah, but this is, um, it's proven really useful in both kind of, yeah, as you said, the pedagogic rationale behind the thesis. Mm. Um, it's also in my thesis functioned as the requirement specifications for the game itself. When I was designing the escape game, I was always making sure that each of these pillars would be present in the game itself in the way that we set it up. So for example, yeah. we made a, we made an escape room that was really experiential that really involves all your different senses um, okay. and where people okay. really have to work together to kind of, yeah, have the social pillar and the experiential pillar in there. But then I come back to my uh, for my previous question, which was, did you actually uh, have people play the game? Yes. So <laughs> so this is where I get to the maybe the more interesting part. Um, yeah, so uh, it, the design of the game took nine months. Uh, I did six rounds of playtesting on the final prototype and over 50 people contributed their ideas and feedback. And for the final uh, prototype, we actually hired an actor to record videos as well. And the result is a game called Unlock the Future. This is a do-it-yourself escape game. Um, because of Corona, we weren't able to build a physical room here in Sweden. Uh, uh. So we created a game that anybody can download from our websites and print out and set up at home. So the way it works that is that there is one game host who prepares the game, and then there's three to five players that can play it. Um, so you can, for example, set it up in your own household so that in corona times, there's no risk for for infecting anyone. Okay. Um, yeah, and the, the game goes through four different stages, and players have 90 minutes to, to solve these stages and get to the final part. Um, we wanted to give we we wanted the game to be kind of basic, um, not be too advanced, but at the same time, we also wanted people to give to get a bit of an overview of the different sustainability themes and not just talk about one specific aspect of sustainability. 
Um, so the game starts with talking about the problems behind climate change. So there's a few puzzles that relate to this. Um, then the players go into um, strategies for carbon removal, both natural carbon removal ways and technological carbon removal technologies. Then in the third part of the game, um, you talk about individual solutions to climate change. And in the fourth part, you basically say, okay, it's not enough to have individual solutions. We also need collective action and system change. So the game touches on many different topics, basically, um, which makes it a really, a really interesting conversation starter. And um, we see that in the debrief that follows the game, people have really interesting discussions afterwards and cool. uh, can get pretty deep. Yeah. So you succeeded in sort of nudging their behavior a little bit and... I mean, I can't really say much about the behavior because we weren't really testing that. That, that would be a, um, a whole study of its own, I guess. Yes, that would be an entire study um, of its own with its own um, problems and advantages, maybe. Um, but yeah, people had, had really the good discussions afterwards. Um, but yeah, the, your question kind of leads into my research. Mm -hmm. um, so what I wanted to research about this escape game in particular, um, there were two things I wanted to know. The first one was whether the five pillars were really integrated into this game that I designed called Unlock the Future. Mm -hmm. um, so I had a, a survey after the game where players could evaluate the escape game. But I also wanted to know whether the game actually had an impact on people, right? Whether it was able to change their attitudes and their beliefs. So I also measured two different things. Here I measured people's environmental attitudes and I mentioned their environmental efficacy. Um, efficacy relates to the belief that your actions have an impact on the environment. Mm. And I measured this in terms of self-efficacy and collective efficacy. So I measured people's beliefs that their own actions could have an impact and that their group's actions or society's actions could have an impact on the environment. And my hypothesis then was... Uh, that if the five pillars were really integrated into the design that I had, so if this game that I created was fun, was experiential, urgent, problem rewarding, and social, that this would then increase players' environmental attitudes and efficacy after the game. And okay. in order to be able to measure that kind of difference, I had a survey before and after the escape game so that I will be able to compare whether people's attitude and efficacy actually increased. Um, and on the survey afterwards, players also had the chance to evaluate the game on a survey um, to see what they thought of the five pillars. And in total, there were nine teams that played the game with 34 players from nine different countries, um, which is kind of a small sample. Um, but due to time constrictions and the COVID-19 pandemic, I couldn't get more people. I would um, not say that that's a small sample, not for a masterpiece <laughs> before you design a game. That's. I mean, we were, statistically speaking, we were hoping for a larger sample because you were able to of course. have more robust results. But yeah, yeah. of course, you, you always have um, real world limitations. No, but it's good to have, to have high expectations, I think. Um, yeah. But I mean, this is not the end. You're, uh, do you have any plans to sort of... Um, I don't know, maybe apply this game to, to, <laughs> to some real... Or you make like an official game out of it. What are you going to do with it? So there's, there's basically two avenues that we're working with after this project. 
one of them is making a more specialized game. And we are also working with two existing projects in Uppsala now to design an escape room for kids specifically. So we're working with Zero Waste Uppsala and Framtidsklubben to adapt an escape room to for children um, aged between 10 and 18. Um, okay. So it's, yeah, the nice thing is that it really, it started kind of off as a conversation. It became a master thesis and now it's almost its own organic community. Um, and yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited to see where that's going to take us. Um, I've already given two workshops to research groups as well in Uppsala and Stockholm that are really interested in the escape room too. Right. So I think it's, yeah, it's, it's going places, which is really fun. And, um, one of the things that we discovered from this game was that people felt it was quite basic and they were ex actually expecting to learn something from the escape game, even though we never explicitly said that they would learn anything or that it was an educational game. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of people said they would be really interested in playing a game that was more specialized in one particular topic. Okay. And what you also but, see... Um, yeah. what, kind of, what kind of people play the game? Was it like, um, how did you select your sample? Yeah, so we, we had a convenient sample here. Uh, so we basically asked anyone to play the game who wanted to. And because of my network being mostly people in sustainability, um, even though I tried to reach out also to other groups too, but most people that played the game were already in the sustainability bubble, so to say. Okay. Uh, so there were some groups that were not not that much into sustainability, um, but most people were. So this definitely influenced the results. Um, you could yeah you could see that when we looked at the results um, that for example people's environmental attitudes before the game was already super high it was a six point five out of seven um, which is way higher than uncomparable studies um, so okay. we saw that actually after the escape game people's environmental attitude did not increase or it did increase actually but it did not significantly increase when we did some statistical tests. Um, but we actually saw that people's self-efficacy and collective efficacy did increase significantly. Um, so we can conclude from that that um, an escape game like this can actually reinforce people's beliefs that their own actions and the actions of the group that they belong to, they can actually have an impact on the environment. And that is really important because a lot of studies have shown that efficacy is actually really important for people to start acting, um, start acting on climate change and other environmental issues. So this is a really promising, promising result. Okay. Yeah. We also saw, yeah. yeah, we also saw that people, people really enjoyed the game when they evaluated it, and the five pillars were really part of the game. Uh, so this was also kind of confirmed. That's a good feeling. Then you succeeded. Yeah. Um, uh, but I uh, but now my next question is a bit more uh, general, mm -hmm. in the sense that I thought maybe you could give us your input on what you think the future, or maybe you could describe the future of sustainable development to us, where you see the field going, or where you think it is right now. In general, the future. I mean, um, when we talk about futures, we talk about possible and preferred futures, right? So. Um, I, yeah, I see a lot if of. You <laughs> I see a lot of possible futures for sustainable development. Um, 
Um, but maybe I will talk about my preferable future, which is possibly maybe more interesting. Um, and I think that for sustainable development, we need to work more with these future studies that I mentioned before. Mm. So thinking about different ways of thinking about the future. And we have to get much better at imagining the future and imagining different futures, different realities from the ones that we are in. Because people have such um, such blocks against change. They resist change so much. But we have so much to gain from actually changing. So I just think that getting people out of their everyday mindsets, for example, through games, and giving them the opportunity to imagine a reality that is different from the current reality, that this has a huge potential for, for sustainable development. Because if you look at the, the like leverage points uh, from Donella Meadows on how to change a system, a system like society, the strongest leverage points, so the one that has the biggest impact, is a paradigm shift. It's a shift in people's worldviews, people's beliefs. And mm. games are a really good tool for changing people's perspectives um, and a really intuitive way of kind of learning. You know, when... When you are in a game, you can from one second to the next become a werewolf or live on the other side of the planet. And that's a beautiful way of this, putting it. Yeah. <laughs> this um, maybe not necessarily being a werewolf, but this kind of possibility to step outside your own reality, I think, is is really important to imagine how things could be different and how things could be better. And that is a prerequisite for then actually making things better. That's a good way. That's a good note on uh, closing the the discussion on sustainability. I think um, before we we have to kind of wrap it up now. Mm-hmm. Um, and before we go, I thought of asking you what your favorite memory is, or what the most valuable skill you feel you learned in your master. It can really be anything. So what what we um. Something that I contributed to during the master was setting up a project called Sustainable Student-Led Seminars. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, as students, we organized our own seminars every two weeks, um, responding to a question or an interest that someone had in the class. We had a very diverse background, people coming from many different places, and each of us had a certain expertise, and we didn't really feel like this expertise was being used in the courses in any way. So we decided to kind of do that yourself. So I think what I really took away from that is that when you identify a certain need around you, that you shouldn't wait for the perfect idea or don't wait for someone else to act on it or to do something with it, but just start talking to the people and start crafting a solution, start crafting the, the simplest solution that is possible and improve your idea along the way. And don't wait for the perfect implementation or the perfect idea because it's not going to come yeah okay encouraging words (laughs) (laughs) well this is uh all for this episode thank you for joining us on the master pods emmy thanks for having me you're so welcome best of luck in the future and i'm um guess i'm looking forward to see how the escape game is going to be implemented great thanks yeah Mm -hmm. so bye everyone bye bye 
This podcast was produced by Laura Messner, Rachel Gradin, and Olivier Rosson. This episode was hosted and edited by Olivier Rosson. We would like to thank today's guest, Amy Patter, for sharing her research with us. And a big final thank you goes to Yoko Persian for providing us with the funky music. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn. We'll be posting new episodes every Wednesday. If you want to talk about your research or know someone who you think should present theirs, please feel free to shoot us a message. We will see you next week. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs>